morning. No, I'm not about to act out my whole sermon, if that's what you're thinking. <clears throat> Although I loved that. I really did. Wasn't that great last week? That was very fresh. Really enjoyed that. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. Lord God, please come. Thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus. Uh, thank you for your presence that's in those songs, Lord God, when we sing and we worship and praise you, Lord. And just come now. Lord, be in this word, I pray. Um, take these words, Lord God, and um, again, what is of you, may it stick in our hearts. What is of me, may it just fall to the floor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm moving this aside because I've realized at times, I think I, I, think I hide behind this sometimes. So I'm going to just kind of get it out of the way a little bit. So, um, Wonderful to see so many visitors this morning. Welcome, you guys. Wow, that's awesome. And welcome everyone who came home. It's great to see you all here. Um, before I launch into my, my sermon, I want to talk about something a little bit. Let's talk about pet peeves for a moment. I think that's something we can all relate about, right? Pet peeves. Would someone share with me a pet peeve that you have? Something that doesn't relate to sermons? Um, <laughs> share with me. Karen? All right. Yeah. Yeah, especially especially this time of year when it's getting dry and everything. Anybody else? Yes. Extension cords. cords. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, Marlene. Is that a hint? One more. Anyone? What's that? (laughs) All right, and the gloves just came off. Those are awesome. Um, I have a few pet peeves I want to share with you this morning. Hard butter on soft bread. Okay? That's a pet peeve of mine. All right? The word chops. Okay? This sounds a little strange, but like when I read an article, yeah, yeah? When I'm reading an article about a movie and they say something like, thankfully they had the acting chops to pull off the role, or they had the musical chops to make the song work. If pork or lamb is not in front of it, don't use the word chops. Even then it's a little bit dicey. And finally, um, anything and everything to do with the cleaning or storage of Tupperware products <laughs> drives me nuts because Tupperware does not dry, okay? Tupperware just collects more water as time goes by so that when you take it out of the dish rack, it just spills all over the place. And then you have to put it all together and you have to put it into the cupboard. And after time, I just give up and I start throwing it in there and my poor wife, she opens up the door and just, <laughs> just crashes out. And then she usually yells at me, but puts it all back. So I'm, I'm actually okay with that arrangement. Um, but anyways. But people, as we've just been hearing, people are a great source of pet peeves as well, aren't they? And I was thinking about some pet peeves that, that I have concerning people. And some of them are, um, you know, people who cross at the crosswalk and at an intersection, a busy intersection, when the don't hand sign is up, Okay. And then the light turns green and you're ready to go in your car and some people are just sauntering across. And I'm thinking, if I just, just graze them, just, <laughs> just, just enough to just, so they feel the wind and they realize they should be going, but perhaps that's not justifiable in court. I don't know. Um, uh, what's the other one? People who take too long to shop in the grocery store. I'm really sorry, guys. I worked in a grocery store for 12 years 
And it's really hard to try and work behind somebody who's just kind of sauntering around and just taking time. And I'm thinking, if it has more than three ingredients, just put it back. It's bad for you. Don't even think about it, okay? My ultimate pet peeve concerning people would be this. People who ride their bicycles with their helmets dangling from the handlebars. Anybody with me? Yeah? Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but, but what is it about these things that bother me so much? What is it about these things that bother me so much? Somewhere along the line, due to my upbringing or just my personality or my life experiences or a combination of all three, I have come to a decision that what people do concerning these things, they're either doing it wrong or they shouldn't be doing it at all. Because heaven knows I would never do those things, right? Except I have crossed at the crosswalk when the don't walk sign is up. <clears throat> and I have taken a very long time comparing products in the grocery store. I don't think I've ever ridden my bicycle with my helmet dangling from the handlebars, because that's just dumb. <clears throat> but something happens. And all of a sudden, it doesn't take long to cross this fine line between just these petty pet peeve annoyances to all of a sudden taking part in one of the greatest pastimes that we as human beings love to take part in. It doesn't matter what your age is, what your race is, what your religion is, what your economic standing is. We all love to do this. I'm judging someone, aren't I? I'm judging somebody. Now, I'm completely drawing a blank. <laughs> Lord, come and help me. So why does this bother us? Why do we do this? Why is it so easy to take part in this? No, really, I'm asking you why. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because what happens is when we, when we begin to do this, I think what happens is that what we're really doing is we're bringing stuff into this world that we don't really need because we already have too much of this. Because when we judge someone, we're, 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 we're doing so out of a place of condemnation often, aren't we? We're doing so out of a place uh, placing blame on them or lies, right? Now, it's something that, you know, I, for, for myself speaking, I, I've had lots of practice and, and lots of time to, to do this with. Um, also, uh, I've noticed that a lot of people in Victoria in general have as well. Um, take snow days, for example. <clears throat> You know when a lot of snow falls in Victoria? And all of a sudden people take place or take part in one of the greatest games of judge thy neighbor that we have come up with. And it usually sounds a little bit like this. You have to be really careful when you're out there driving in the snow because of all those people who don't know how to drive in the snow. It's not me I'm worried about, it's everybody else. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds familiar to me because I've said that. <laughs> and it's a fair statement. But the thing that I've discovered is it seems like everyone I know says the exact same thing. And again, working in a grocery store, I hear customer after customer coming in saying the exact same thing. So by the law of averages, doesn't that mean that we are all the other people <laughs> that we need to look out for? Right? But the thing is, is we partake in this. The other day I was walking down the road and I went past this, uh, this car that had a bumper sticker on it. And it said, judgment-free zone on it. And I thought, 
after I judged the kind of person that would put that on their car, <laughs> I thought to myself, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have a judgment-free zone? A place that we could just go to and not worry about having people judge us by what we look like or what we sound like or what we do or what we say. And that in turn, we wouldn't have to worry about judging others about what they look like or what they're doing or what they're saying. Wouldn't that be nice? Is that possible? Could we do that? Because as I was saying, when we, when we take part in judging someone, we are bringing into this world so often stuff that we don't need. Condemnation, lies, blame, prejudices, gossip, just to name a few. And a lot of those things are, are catalysts either to judge someone or results of our judging someone. I don't know about you guys, but I, for one, would really like to stop. I would like to stop judging people so often and so unnecessarily, and I'm willing to bet that many of you would like to as well. Well, I want to share with you something that I discovered as I began to write this sermon because it shocked me a little bit, and it may shock you as well. Jesus teaches us to judge Righteously. Sorry, I forgot the last part. Jesus teaches us to judge righteously. Now, this came as a bit of a shock to me because I grew up understanding, do not judge, lest ye be judged, right? We've all heard that. And my wife and I, Kate and I, we've always been sort of keeping each other in check about this, right? Okay, be careful, you're making a judgment on that person, or sweetie, you're judging that person. And we've always told each other, you can even make right judgments about someone. It's not that you're wrong, it's just that you're not supposed to do it. And so that was kind of the whole basis of what I began to write about in my sermon. And then I started to look into it, and I realized, hold on a second. Jesus teaches us to judge righteously. Well, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) How do we do that? Well, to make a judgment, I mean, that's just forming an opinion or, or making a decision critically about something, isn't it? That's not so bad. Or perhaps it can be. But what does it mean to be righteous? We were just talking about this a little bit this morning in our Sunday school class. What does it mean to be righteous? In the Old Testament times, to be righteous meant to, to, to be in a relationship with God, to follow the law that God gave, gave the Israelites to follow, with the idea of, of being um, sinless before him and also promoting peace within their community. And they were really bad at it. But we're kind of bad at it too, aren't we? And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus kind of simplifies everything and yet takes it to a whole new level. He says all these laws and everything that the prophets talked about, I'm going to sum this all up in just two commands. Love God and love thy neighbor as thyself. We've heard that before, right? And so if that's what being righteous means, if we could say that to be righteous means to love God and to love thy neighbor as thyself, I mean, we could expand on that for sure, but if we could just agree on that, then to judge someone righteously would mean to judge someone in such a way that it is upholding those two commands. It means that when we judge someone, we are judging to help restore them, right? To build them up, not to break them down. To correct them, not to condemn them. When we judge unrighteously, we are condemning someone. When we judge unrighteously, we are exalting ourselves over them. Sometimes we're exalting ourselves over God, aren't we? Who are we to make that decision? When we judge unrighteously, we begin to break apart from the things that God gave us to do. 
Now, this affects all of us. It affects our families when we're judging each other unrighteously. It affects our friendships. It affects our relationships here in church. It affects our relationships at work, at school, with our classmates. We need freedom from that, don't we? Don't you guys want freedom from that? So how do we find freedom from that? How do we learn to judge righteously? How does Jesus teach us to judge righteously? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Now in the book of Matthew, if you have never read chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew, you have got to spend some time reading chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. Spend some time this week getting into the Word. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is what I call the red chapters. If you have a Bible where Jesus' words are in red, it's just red, 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 all the way through. And it's nothing but good stuff, okay? Spend some time in there, chapters 5, 6, and 7. What Jesus has done is he's brought all these people together and he is teaching them about what it means to get real about being in the kingdom of God. He's teaching them about what it means to get real about bringing the kingdom of God to other people and being a part of it. And so he's teaching on things like murder. Absolutely, do not murder, guys, but let's get real about what that really means. It means don't go on hating your brother and, and keeping him in unforgiveness and then expect to come before God and be in forgiveness, right? Yes, do not commit adultery, absolutely, but let's get real about what that really means. It means don't look lustfully at another woman, thus committing adultery with her in your heart. He's teaching them to get real about what it means about being part of the kingdom of God. And sure enough, as he goes through the sermon, he comes to judging. Let's get real about what it means to judge someone. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In this passage, Jesus is beginning to form a transformative thought in the people's minds. Now you have to understand that a lot of what they heard would have been blowing them away, right? Jesus, what do you mean I should love my enemy? Jesus, what do you mean that I should turn the other cheek? For some of these people, this would be hard stuff to grasp. And now all of a sudden, Jesus, you're telling me not to judge? I am a, I'm a law-abiding Jew. I make the sacrifices when I have to make sacrifices. I, I have spent my life trying to understand the law. And I'm living under a fairly oppressive regime here with these Romans standing over us. And the only real um, role models we have are these Pharisees who are great at teaching us about the law, and they're also great about teaching us how to judge others. And now you're asking us not to judge others? And what, what's more, you, you, have a, you, you have a warning behind it. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But what Jesus is doing is he's teaching them a new way to look at this. I mean, we can look at it practically, right? Don't throw condemnation on people. If you keep heaping condemnation on people, what do you think you're going to get in return? Lots of grace? Well, maybe if they're really, you know, into the gospel and they understand it, but most likely you're going to be getting a lot more condemnation, aren't you? But Jesus takes it beyond that. Jesus is saying when it comes to condemnation due to a sinful lifestyle, don't worry so much about what it means for other people. Worry perhaps a little bit more about what it means for yourself. That might be a good place to start. He expands on this in the next few verses. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, here he's talking to us. A lot of us, like, we read that passage and we think, yeah, I I understand, Jesus, I have this speck, and my brother over there has a real large plank, so would you please help him out? I got some bad news for you. We are the plank person. (laughs) We are the ones he's talking to. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Oh, dear. I don't want to be called a hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's important we hear this as members of the body of Christ. The word that Jesus uses there when he speaks about brothers, take the speck out of your brother's eye, it's the same word that we use when we're talking about fellow believers. It's important that we hear this as a body of Christ. Jesus is speaking to us here and now as it applies to us here and now. First, we take care of our plank. Get rid of that. We deal with the sin that put that plank there in the first place by God's grace. And then what happens? We're able to judge righteously. We're able to help our brother and remove the speck out of his own eye. Not with condemnation, but with the exact same thing that we've been given. Grace, right? The trick is we have to be willing to look in the mirror and confront ourselves about why that plank is there in the first place. How did it get there? Why did it get there? We need to deal with that, asking forgiveness and get rid of it. Failing to do so is the main reason why we are so quick to unrighteously judge others. I was given a book not too long ago by a fellow named John Vischer. John Vischer is a a Christian songwriter and and a book writer. And the title of this book is fantastic. The title of the book is 12 Steps for the Recovering Pharisee Like Me. Isn't that a great name for a book? The very first chapter of this book is called, this is step one, chapter one. Step one for the recovering Pharisee like me. We admit, we admit that our soul unmitigated pleasure is to judge other people. We admit that our single most unmitigated pleasure is to judge other people. Guys, I would like to start the um, inaugural Judges Anonymous meeting today. Can we do that? I'll go first. My name is Daniel, and I like to judge people. (laughs) I say I like to because I seem to do it all the time. All right? I need this. I need the 12 steps for the recovering Pharisee. In his book, he writes, The act of mental sentencing is the mindset most readily available to those who are neither willing nor prepared to bring their own actions, thoughts, or motivations into the light. You see, it's easier to judge someone, isn't it? Because we get the spotlight off of us. Except God doesn't really fall for that, does he? God knows. And it is hard It is hard to bring these things into the light because when we do that, God will deal with them. And that could be uncomfortable. But it will bring us freedom. But it can be uncomfortable. (laughs) But it will bring us freedom. (laughs) 
At this point, I want to ask you guys to do something. Because it's not enough that we just hear this. We need to apply this to our lives. If we're not taking this and we're not applying it to our lives, then our time here, I believe, is wasted. So I want to ask you guys to trust me in something. I want to ask you guys to close your eyes for a moment. That's one of my pet peeves when people ask me to do that, so forgive me. But would you trust me in that? I'm going to close my eyes too, so if you peek and you see, you'll, you'll see my eyes are closed. And you might feel guilty that you peeked. <clears throat> Maybe that was a judgment. I'm not sure. Anyways, close your eyes for a moment with me, you guys. I want you to ask the Lord to bring to mind someone that you have been judging unrighteously. Someone that you have been condemning or blaming or, or being treating unfairly. And if I'm at all right, it shouldn't take long for God to bring someone to your mind. <laughs> I already have a few. It may be a family member. It may be a spouse or a parent or a child. It may be a friend or a, a work colleague. It could be a schoolmate or a teacher. It could be an acquaintance that you see once a week or some random person that you've just come across, it seems, over and over but you know that you've been judging this person unrighteously. Okay, now you can open your eyes. I want to ask you to do something with me this week. I want to encourage you, dare I say, I want to challenge you to pray for that person that God brought to your mind for seven days. Pray for that person for seven days. Pray that God would work in their life. Pray that God would begin to move in them. You might play a part in that. If you've been judging them lots, you might not. <laughs> it might be better if you don't. But pray for them and see what God begins to do in their life. See what God begins to do in your life. See how things might begin to change. And if any of you right now are, are feeling that, that voice that's saying, this is really dumb, you're not going to pray for seven days for this person. In the name of Jesus Christ, shut that voice out of your head. Because honestly, I heard that voice the entire time I wrote this sermon. Okay? And that's not a, a godly voice. Really cool stuff can begin to happen when we do this. When we begin to judge righteously, when we begin to put condemnation aside, and we begin to want to wanna, to help heal, and we want to begin to help um, get rid of these hurts, really wonderful things can begin happening here. It begins in our household, and it can literally reach out to the four corners of the earth. We are taught to judge righteously in order to do the things that God created us to do. And what did God create us to do? Ephesians 5, chapter 1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what we've been created to do. Be imitators of God. Follow in Christ's footsteps. Love God and love thy neighbor as thyself. Doesn't that sound cool? We read earlier Psalm 98. And I'm really glad to see that we're actually singing later um, at the end of the service uh, the song that's actually behind this psalm, Shout to the Lord. And in this psalm, it describes, you know, the psalmist is excited. God is bringing his salvation to his people. And at the end of this psalm, he's so excited and he's singing, 
In verse 9, let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. He will judge the world in righteousness. We can be a part of that. Not in place of God, no way, but because of God. We can be imitators of Christ in this. God teaches us to judge righteously because God wants us to imitate him in all things. So thank you for coming to the inaugural Judges Anonymous meeting. May we all be recovering unrighteous judges this morning. And when we relapse, and we will relapse, let's be quick to ask Christ for forgiveness and to continue to ask him to show us and teach us how we can judge righteously for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of his glory. Amen? Worship team, would you come back up? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you, Lord, and, and we ask, Lord, that those people that you brought to our minds, Lord, would you help us to remember to pray for them, Lord God, to lift them up, Lord. Give us seven days, Lord, to lift them up to you and see what could happen in their lives and what could happen in our lives because of that, Lord. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and glory this morning. Continue to challenge us in these things, we pray, Lord. Have patience with us, we ask. And continue to teach us, Lord, how to be imitators of God and how to bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.